Let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We'll be looking at verses 11 through 19. This is the account of Jesus healing ten lepers. It's only found here in the Gospel of Luke. It not only teaches us that Jesus has the power to heal, it also teaches us that man should be thankful for the work of God in his life. All ten of these men were healed of a horrible disease that would eventually end in death, but only one stopped to thank the one who healed him. The title of the message, taken from some of the words in the text, Where Are the Nine? Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, When the flame of gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well-nigh hopeless. Gratitude is a, is a quality, a characteristic, that is missing in many of our churches today, certainly in our society. Let's look at the first two verses here, 11 and the first half of verse 12, and we'll notice the Lord's journey. Luke 17, 11, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This would be his final trip to Jerusalem. He was going there for the last time to die on Calvary's cross for the sins of mankind. And so that's what's on his mind. That's what's on his focus. And we read many texts that talk about his face being set to go to Jerusalem. He had told his disciples what was to take place eventually, but it didn't really register with them until after his death and resurrection. Mark records these words in Mark 10, 32 to 34. It's while he's on this trip with his disciples. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed as they followed. They were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them the, what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. <laughs> Very clear, uh, this description of what will take place in Jerusalem, as he's telling his disciples. But again, they, were, they forgot. They didn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. The journey here was rerouted because of the opposition of the Samaritans. In verse 11, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And this isn't like what we saw last week in John chapter 4, verse 4, when it says he must needs go through Samaria. This passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee means that he bypassed Samaria by taking the border route in between Samaria and Galilee. Jesus took the path that we talked about last week where he crossed the Jordan at Bethshan, which is 10 miles south of the Sea of Galilee. He went through the area of Perea, and then he crossed back over the Jordan again near Jericho. Why did he take this 
longer route. Let's go back to Luke chapter 9, if you'll turn back a few chapters. Luke chapter 9, and we'll see why. This is at the beginning of their journey. In Luke 9, verse 51, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's in verse 51. Verse 52, we'll see the words, he sent messengers ahead into a village of the Samaritans. But I want you to notice in verse 53, let's look at that. And, and they did not receive him, that is, those Samaritans in that village, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. What's going on here? Jesus and the disciples are headed down to Jerusalem for what reason? They're going to celebrate the Passover, and that's when Jesus dies as our Passover lamb. And the Samaritans are not friendly to the Jews, especially when they're bypassing their temple, which they worshiped on Mount Gerizim. They're bypassing that to go to Jerusalem, where the Jews worshiped. So Jesus, and when it says he passed through the borders of Samaria and Galilee, he's passing between them. And the entire trip is going to be about 68 miles from Galilee to Jerusalem. It would have taken several days. But because of all the events that are recorded on this particular last trip to Jerusalem, some say that this took, uh, trip took several months. He arrived at the exact place that he intended to visit. Verse 12, he entered a certain village. I find that interesting. Even though the Samaritans had, had denied access of Jesus coming through their village, he entered this other village. And in this certain village, he meets ten lepers, and he heals them of their leprosy. I find several lessons in this that we can learn to trust the Lord. The opposition of man cannot deter the purposes and the plans of God. Sometimes we look at people and we say, boy, if they were only out of the way, I could accomplish this for the Lord. If my boss didn't put this restriction on me, I could get something done for the Lord. But God uses everything in our lives for our good and for his glory. We all know Romans 8.28, and it's true. We have a loving Father who orchestrates everything in our life. His ways are higher than ours. He knows much more than we do, and man's efforts cannot stop God's purposes. And so while hindered from going through one village, he passes by another. That's the Lord's journey. Now we come to the leper's cleansing in verses, the second half of verse 12 to verse 14. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. We've been looking at encounters with the Lord in our Sunday morning services. And here are ten men who encounter the Lord. In these verses, 12 through 14, we'll see uh, their condition their cry, and their cleansing. Their condition, they had a terrible disease of leprosy. The Old Testament word for leprosy means 
uh, a, comes from the root of, of, of a smiting or a scourging. It was thought that God smote people with this disease. And many wrongfully thought, among other diseases in even the New Testament, that these things were deserved, that somehow God was punishing them. It was a disease that struck both kings and common people. Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, had leprosy, but he was healed. Uzziah, the king of Judah, died of leprosy. It was a disease where in Bible times there was no cure apart from God's healing. The Greek word uh, for the word leprosy has the idea of, of meaning scales. Easton's Bible Dictionary describes the disease. It begins with the specks on the eyelids and on the palms, gradually spreading over the body, bleaching the hair white wherever they appear, crusting the affected parts with white scales and causing terrible sores and swellings. From the skin, the disease eats inward to the bones, rotting the whole body piecemeal. There are pictures online of people who have modern-day leprosy. It's a disease that is recurring now. The laws concerning leprosy are detailed in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 13 and in Numbers chapter 12. And the priests were the ones who identified the disease, and those who were lepers had to remain at a distance and cry out, unclean, unclean. It was the social distancing of the day that was very effective. They were not allowed to live in walled cities. But they could live outside of open villages, and that's what we see here. Leprosy, biblically, is a, is a disease that pictures all of man's desperate need and his sinful condition. In the clearest handbook of the Old Testament, we read that leprosy was the outward and visible sign of the innermost spiritual corruption, a meet or fitting suitable emblem. In its small beginnings, its gradual spread, its internal disfigurement, its disillusion little by little of the whole body, of that which corrupts, degrades, and defiles man's inner nature and renders him unmet or unmeet or unfit to enter the presence of a pure and holy God. So leprosy, just like sin, puts all men in the same company. Sin is no respecter of persons, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same condition. And unless Jesus intervenes, unless he saves us, sin will end in death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Their condition. Notice also their cry. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Their cries are urgent. They called out as Jesus arrived. Verse 12 says, as he entered. They were probably on the outskirts of the village because they had to separate from others so their leprosy would not spread. And these lepers didn't wait until Jesus had, had rested and he'd come into their village and had something to eat and were, was refreshed from his journey. And Jesus didn't ignore them. He didn't put them off until he was rested. How many people today 
put off crying out for mercy. Like Felix, who listened to Paul, and Paul witnessed to him about his need to trust in Christ, and he said, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Not now. Maybe later. I'll let you know when I'm ready to be saved. Our cries must be urgent. Don't put it off. Their cries show humility. They stood afar off. Matthew Henry writes, A sense of our spiritual leprosy should make us very humble in all our approaches to Christ. Their cries came to the only one who could help them. They knew who Jesus was. Look at the, the, the names that they refer to him. They identify him with his name, Jesus, the earthly name of the Savior. Matthew 1.21, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Savior, they're crying out. Master, he's, he's one that's recognized as a teacher, as a ruler, one who is in control of all things, even disease and death. They must have heard about Jesus. All the way back in Luke chapter 5, Jesus healed a man of leprosy. And then he told him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. And in verse 15 it says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They heard and these lepers probably had heard this as well, that Jesus healed a leper. He heals men of their sicknesses, of their diseases. And so they must have heard of him, and they, they made that request, have mercy on us, show pity on us, show compassion to us. And God is a God of mercy. He is a God of compassion. He hears us when we cry to him. And if you're here and in need today of salvation, you can cry out to Jesus and he will extend his mercy to you. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's merciful today as he was then. They made their request. That was their cry. Now notice their cleansing, verse 14. And when he, when, they saw, when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. His compassion, he saw them. Jesus sees us. He sees our activities. He knows our motives for action. He, he knows our thoughts, the intents of our hearts. He sees everything. And he looks on us with pity and on, on us with compassion. Again, he's merciful. He's ready to save. His words, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. He was honoring the Old Testament law, requiring these lepers, to have the priests examine them and pronounce them uh, clear and cleansed of the, of the disease. The priest couldn't do the healing. He could only make the pronouncement of something that had already taken place, how much like the Old Testament law that is. 
It shows us our sin. It's a mirror. It's a schoolmaster. But only Jesus can save us. The law can't save us. Their obedience. They were doing what Jesus told them to do. The healing here took place according to their obedient faith. Jesus didn't tell them that they were cleansed. He didn't say, you're cleansed, go show yourself to the priests. He told them to go show themselves to the priests. And the cleansing took place as they were obedient to those instructions. Last, let's look at the Samaritan's thanks. Verses 15 through 19. The response of the one, first two verses. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face and at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. His response showed that this, his faith was genuine. He was immediately thankful for what God had done. As soon as he saw that his disease was gone, can you imagine what went through his mind? He looks at his hand. I have no leprosy. God did this. I have to give him thanks. I have to give him praise. And he turned back. Genuine faith will cause you to turn back to the one who healed you. He glorified God with a loud voice. Genuine faith will manifest itself in vocal praise. If you have been born again and your sins have been forgiven, you won't be ashamed to praise God. Before he cried out for mercy. Now he cries out in praise. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. William MacDonald says he fell on his face, the true posture of worship. He fell at Jesus' feet, the true place of worship. And there's one interesting fact that God wants us to know about this man. It's found at the very end of verse 16. It almost looks as if it's, it's added or tacked on. Just the words, and he was a Samaritan. If you think back, they're the ones who refused the passage of Jesus and his disciples through their village. But man's prejudice, prejudice, again, cannot keep God from extending his mercy to those who call upon him. The simple addition of this fact seems to indicate that the others were from Israel. As Jews, they knew the practice of, uh, practice of going to the priest to be examined, to be pronounced clean of the leprosy. Jesus asked two questions that, that show us the problem that the nine had. Verses 17 and 18. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. The two questions that Jesus asks are rhetorical questions. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? And Jesus answered both of those questions himself. There's not found that gave glory to God except for this stranger. The word stranger there is, is speaking of someone of a different nationality, not, not from Israel. Bible Knowledge Commentary says, The lack of gratitude by the other nine was typical of the rejection of his ministry by the Jewish nation. 
He alone had power to cleanse the nation and make it ceremonially clean. However, the nation did not respond properly to him. Jesus honored the Samaritan's faith. Verse 19, the last verse we'll look at this morning. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And in this verse we discover that this Samaritan was given more than just physical healing. He was healed spiritually. He was saved by the grace of God. Jesus had to say, arise, go thy way. Why? Because the man wanted to stay there. He was on his knees. He's worshiping the one who, who saved him. And if you are genuinely saved, you'll have this desire to spend time with the one who made you whole. Just as we saw last week in reading of the maniac of Gadara, he was changed by God's grace. And Jesus said, I know you want to stay, but I've got a mission for you. You need to go and tell others. He wanted to stay with the Lord. The wording that's used in verse 19 also is an indication of soul salvation, salvation from sin, not just salvation from leprosy. It's the same word that's used in Acts 16.31. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. The word saved there, sozo. It's the same thing Jesus told the repentant woman who washed his feet in Luke 7. In verse 48, he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And then in verse 50, he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Many commentators weigh in on this. I'll just read William MacDonald's words. Your faith has made you well suggests that whereas the nine were cleansed from leprosy, the tenth was also saved from sin. So ten lepers healed physically, one saved for eternity. And physical healing in the Bible doesn't always indicate spiritual salvation, but in this sense, he was saved. I wonder if Jesus doesn't look down on those to whom he has shown great mercy, but they go on in life, ungrateful, uninterested in worship, unwilling to serve. And he must look down at churches that are empty because lives are empty and ask the same question, where are the nine? You may be here this morning and you have enjoyed good things from the Lord's hand. You live in a nation with a history of religious freedom You've enjoyed good health. God has provided material for, materially for your needs, but you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. God can forgive your sin. He can make you clean. And when he does, you'll have this overwhelming sense of gratitude to thank him for what he's done. You'll want to worship him. As we prepare to observe the Lord's table this morning, I think of those of, of us who are believers here, and I think as we, as we take these elements as a memory of what he's done for us, I hope there will be this overwhelming gratitude for his death on Calvary for us.
Jesus is worthy of all of our worship. He's worthy of all of our praise, all of our life, all of our gratitude. And I trust that will be from your heart today to him.